0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 10 of the Fetch Everyone weekly podcast. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and now Google Podcasts. Hooray! FetchEveryone.com is a free website for runners, bikers, swimmers and everyone else. Some websites put their best features behind the paywall, we don't. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and visit FetchEveryone.com forward slash podcast with all your comments, questions, suggestions and uh, any other kind of output that you may wish to leave there um, and we also really <laughs> like <laughs> well, we, yeah, yeah nothing too bad no yeah. no fly tipping please mm. we'd also love it if uh, if you're an itunes listener if you could review us on itunes as well we've got three or four reviews um and some star ratings we'd love to get a lot more so um just do that if you can uh, and katie are you are you awake
1: I am just about awake I'm pretty tired um I've had a couple of bad nights over the weekend and um so if I go quiet it might be that I'm asleep I am standing up though so that would be quite impressive yeah um, if you hear a thud but <laughs> no but otherwise I'm good I've done a good swim session this morning and um yeah raring rah Sorry. raring <laughs> <laughs> rah. Rah. do you
0: think it's all the all the training you've been doing this week because you you've, you've done quite a few good sessions.
1: I don't think it's connected to that but I have done some good sessions. Um, I didn't get a long run done last week also because of a bad night in fact Um, so obviously my sleep's a bit disrupted at the moment but I did do a kind of five mile-ish run with three miles at race pace and with the wind behind me it felt really good.
0: (laughs) Yeah we, we did two and a half miles where we were running with the wind behind us and that felt like a dream. Well, it, it seems to be going really well this week, and then all yeah. of a sudden it was like bang. it was
1: too easy, actually, wasn't it? So, um, and then we did a hill session together yesterday. We got up and went out and did about five. So it was a two-mile warm-up to the bridge over the, um, the bypass, bypass, and then we went up and yeah. over at effort individually, not together. Yeah. Um, four times.
0: Yeah. So climbed a hill four times and ran down the hill four times.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm saying the same over thing as you. Four times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It felt like in in hindsight it felt like it was quite a short session in terms of the effort in that um
1: Yeah, I think it was quite it's probably about yeah. eight
0: minutes of effort for me and nine minutes of effort for you in total. Yeah. Um,
1: I think we could because I was fairly keen for it to be a five mile run and it was a two mile trip to get there and back. Obviously, we had to then... Yeah, it was only about 1.2 miles of effort, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, looking back, I think we we could maybe squeeze in another up and over. Um, But at the time, if you'd have said to me, right, you've got to do that again, I would have probably used some pretty choice language because I'd I'd I I think I'd have been up for it. A bit ragged.
1: I could could have done two more. I wonder whether your effort was a higher perceived... Effort than mine was. I was aiming to feel like I would feel at Sandy Ten. Yeah. That was in my head.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think I might have gone a bit too fast at it. I really tried to to push it quite a lot. It, it wasn't comfortable. And every time you ran up the hill, you were thinking, right, I've, I've got to the top of this hill now. And then the wind would come over the crest of the hill and just hit you in the face. And so rather than having a break when you felt a little bit easier at the top of the hill, it was like even harder. Yeah somehow but you were um,
1: averaging was it two minutes per up and over yeah and i think i was on more like 220 yeah apart from the one where i got stuck behind two ladies by the puddle
0: yeah
1: and that was 230 you, d-
0: you didn't want to kind of rise past them and splash them i didn't want to your... i was
1: happy to run through the puddle when i was on my own but i didn't want to run through a puddle when they were picking their way past it trying not to get wet <laughs> that would not have made their day i don't think so
0: no I also did a I, no long run for me either because because um, the site was down on Thursday, I sort of felt like I had to double up my efforts on, on Friday. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't run on Friday, but I did a two and a half mile tempo run at uh, a little bit quicker than race pace. So it's my first tempo run in a little while. So I thought I'm not going to try and go for a, a big long distance. So I aimed for two and a half miles, which worked out to be about 20 minutes. Um, if you're interested in, in doing trying tempo running, the pace you need to be aiming at is about halfway between your 10k pace and your half marathon pace. For me, that was sort of around about 7.50-ish. So I managed two and a half miles at 7.44, so I was quite pleased with that. i am just got to try and increase the distance a little bit now over the next few weeks, and hopefully that'll get me somewhere near where I want to be for Sandy 10, but I'm mm-hmm. not too worried if I don't get a, a, a particularly good time there. We also wanted to point out that we've uh, we've hit double figures on the podcast, so it's a bit like I don't mean viewers or listeners. <laughs> we we've got more than ten ten listeners, um, but no, we, we're into episode ten, so it feels like we we're on a bit of a roll now. And I also wanted to highlight that we have a fully international audience, which is quite exciting. It is we've very got ninety percent um, of our listeners are in the UK, so hello everybody there. But we've also got some other Countries, according to our Buzzsprout statistics, so we've got people from the Netherlands, the US, Australia, Spain, New Zealand, Iceland, Germany, Switzerland uh, tuning in. I don't know if they're fetchies or if they've just sort of stumbled across it and, and through sheer curiosity. But um, let us know where you're listening from. Um, Ooh,
1: come and visit the um, the forum uh, fetcheveryone.com forward slash podcast. And especially if you are listening in a different country, please come to the forum and say bonjour or Yeah. la. Say, Voila, say or other words. <laughs> oh yeah, that's or, all right. Yeah. Yeah, so come do come and say hello. Um, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you and we'd like to know where everyone is and what your Fetchy names are, etc.
0: Yeah, I reckon I can I probably guess that the Netherlands might be Sam Jelfs and Iceland might be ITG, yeah, I'm not quite sure who who everybody else is, but let us know, it'd be good. Yeah. We also had some comments from users this week. We always like to see those in the thread. So come along to FetchEveryone.com forward slash podcast and leave us your messages. But we asked last week about strength training and and whether you guys do it or not and whether it it works for you. And Trin has vouched for it, uh, saying that it's definitely helped her And not only that, but she's gone out and proved it and ran 3.53 at Barcelona Marathon this weekend. So if I could run a 3.53, I would be absolutely over the moon. I reckon that's a pretty good sign.
1: It's astonishing, actually, because this time last year, Trin um, was unable to run because of ME. Um, And if anyone out there listening has experience of ME or is experiencing it at the moment, well worth a read of Trin's blogs to see how she's come through that, because it's been quite a journey. But a 3.53 marathon pretty much puts the seal on it, I think.
0: Yeah, well, she's certainly back with a bang, and, and in in some ways as though she's, she's never been away sort of thing. She's just smashing it left, right and centre.
1: Bobby Boy um, very kindly offered me some pointers on um, coaching cornering on the bike. Um, so something about leaning and, and, and pointing. Keeping your eyes open. <laughs> Definitely keeping your eyes open. No, but it was obviously pointing the bike where you want it to go. I think that's always quite important. Um, but there was also something about leaning, which I need to go and review. But I've got absolutely stacks of um, pre-course reading to do this um, today and Wednesday because I've got my British Triathlon Level 1 coaching course this coming weekend. So.
0: We'd also like to hear about your advice for coping with cycling in the wind because um, if you're anything like us, it's been pretty windy for the last few days and it's showing signs that it's going to be most of the week it's going to be pretty gusty so any advice on, on dealing with that because it is pretty pretty awful and um, we also had lots of lovely comments about Baroness BL's voice yeah we love hearing all the different accents and sounds and background noises and things going on in your lives so um, we love getting the different contributions from you all so so keep those coming and uh, well done to the Baroness there was also a question last week about people who run the mileage that's equivalent to their birthday. So, Mile Monster, for example, ran 30 miles on his 30th birthday and he's contemplating doing 40 on his 40th. Uh, Diogenes says he's planning 5.2 miles on his 52nd birthday. So, more power to you, Dio. I hope you get the training in for that. Um,
1: I've been the focus of Lynn's dream world this week. Uh, she dreamed that we were um, having a coffee together. And um, I think she ended up needing to... There was something about...
0: The staff were complaining that she wouldn't pay or something. Something about about her not paying,
1: but anyway... um. (laughs) We don't know what that all means, Linz, but we're... Yeah, it's good. I'm sure it's a positive thing. You're
0: dreaming of being able to do some dreaming at the moment, aren't
1: you? I would love to be dreaming right this moment. In fact, am I dreaming? Because I'm so tired. I don't know. Um, Is Katie
0: awake? Please let us know in the the comments. (laughs)
1: Um, The other thing that was mentioned again, and it's been mentioned before, is the um, Kinetic Revolution website, which is um, a website that is the dream child of James Dunn. He is um, a biomechanics coach. He works with runners and triathletes. And I've been using his website for a very long time with my own clients. So I quite often use his little videos. He does lots and lots of useful short uh, videos on rehab exercises. So there's some strengthening in there. There's some stretching. There's some dynamic warm-ups. even got videos with um, for rollering techniques. So I find his stuff really useful. Uh, there's a lot of free content on his site Um, so it's really worth having a look there are other things that you can pay for on his site but there is a lot that's completely free and i find it really useful so definitely worth a look
0: there was a bit of debate about whether or not it's worth paying um, a subscription or a a fee for this Mm. kind of thing and some of the comments were also along the lines of well if you go to a a class in a gym you'd pay a certain amount for it Um, and just general gym membership you pay for that as well so Getting something that will help you is you know it, you, you've got to think it does have a monetary value to you. you know, how much would you pay to, yeah. to be fit and healthy and strong and, and improving your times and all of those things? Yeah um, but talking about cross training and fitting in all those extra stuff around your, your running, wine legs says she's just too knackered and all she really wants is a bit more sleep. Well, good news for you, wine legs. This is our tenth episode, so you've now got like several hours of stuff to either listen to while you're awake or to send you off to sleep. So uh, hope you have a good one tonight. On to some site features now, and if you were around last year, you may well have come to one of our big fetch mile events. We are hoping to do three of those this year. We wanted to cut it down a little bit to make sure that we got a good balance between you know, having fun and making sure that we manage to cover the costs of doing them because they, they do run into a little bit of expense. So come and have a look at FetchEveryone.com BigFetchMile and let us know if you're interested in, in attending one. Um, we also had a scandal on the mm, site.
1: Not a scandal.
0: <laughs> My jewels. No, that, <laughs> not that kind of scandal. There's a game called Fetch Point. If you go to fetcheveryone.com forward slash games, you'll see it amongst a bunch of others. In Fetch Point, you have to run around near your, your home or anywhere on the map and collect different little goodies like jewels and things and squish bugs And run through traffic lights, plant flowers, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff.
1: And you can own traffic lights and then charge other people for running through them.
0: Yeah, it's sort of Monopoly style. That's maybe the best thing to explain traffic lights. Because not everyone can run everywhere, there is a feature where you can mark certain parts of your grid as being inaccessible. So, for example, like... M.O.D. land or private farmland or anything like that, or a massive lake
1: that you can't get, you can mark that one as inaccessible.
0: You can literally mark anywhere inaccessible for any reason. Okay. You know, any marker on the map, you can say I can't reach that. Okay. Um, And that works pretty well for the majority of people who will just tick off a few places that they can't reach, and the rest is all good, so they can carry on playing the game. But What we noticed through um, an error that cropped up last week was that someone has marked their entire playing circle. Dun-dun-dun! Their entire playing circle. So that's somewhere in the region of 1,300 different locations. They said, I can't reach any of them. They marked them all inaccessible. So there's like this huge circle around um, Glasgow where... No no bugs are generated, no nothing's happening. So and I, I looked at the area and I, I was expecting to see somewhere like really obscure where you couldn't run down any of the streets or anything like that. But it was all just like streets and roads and paths and things and plenty of accessible places. But so anyway, I've tried to fix that.
1: To be fair to the, whoever did it, that's taken some effort to report every single yeah. one of those things. Yeah. You know, they didn't have no effort. They had to click
0: yeah, they invested some time in it. <laughs> they did. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not quite clear at the moment whether it was the work of, of one user or whether it was uh, some sort of program that they'd written um, in order to, to mark all these spots inaccessible. Um, but I've put some stuff in place now so I can, I can see who is marking what. So if someone's up to any funny business, I'm going to catch you. We also had a server outage on Thursday. That was a bit rubbish. Um, there were about two hours when the site was down there was a power failure at the hosting company and they normally have like sort of like an alternative power supply so they just switch over to that immediately and and the site doesn't go down but something in the actual fetch everyone box fried as a result of it so when they turned the power onto the alternate source it wouldn't come back on again so they very quickly had to move us into a different machine and everything like that so it took a couple of hours to get that sorted uh, but hopefully it didn't affect you too much and uh, we try to keep that sort of thing to a minimum it would also be really awesome if you can keep an eye out for our latest advertisers on the site i don't mean the google ads for random stuff but i mean the events that are advertised on the site so recently joining us as advertisers we've got the Ealing Half Marathon and the Osterley Park 10k so you'll see their ads around the site if you're anywhere near those locations so going and clicking on those is pretty awesome because giving those events lots of click-through lots of traffic as a result of advertising with us really encourages other companies to get involved with us and other events to to sort of
1: yeah, Ian can show the stats to other people that are potential advertisers and if they're good stats then it's going to encourage other people to advertise and that's a little bit of income to support the, the site. So yeah, yeah, that would be really good.
0: And also, quite aside from that, I got a good vibe from the the lady I spoke to and it sounds like they're, they're pretty keen on making the event a success, so just go and check them out. We've also got a competition coming up this week. Um, it should be live on the site by the time this podcast goes live. If you go to fetcheveryone.com forward slash win, we've got two tickets for the Ciderthon, which is in Taunton. This is a half marathon with a small sample of cider every couple of miles.
1: It sounds fun. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how I personally get on with with alcohol, but I think there are lots of people out there that manage pretty well, and there's quite a few fetchies, aren't there, that we can we can think
0: of i think i'd probably end up end up running slightly more than 13.1 miles if <laughs> i ended up i think you you end up with about two and a half pints of cider there might even be like a little taster every every mile so yeah i'd probably end up weaving around a little bit more towards the end possibly um, but it looks like it's a fun race and i know that there'll be some of you Definitely. out there who enjoy a little bit of a tipple as you're For running more. um bedford half in december We've run that one quite a lot and there's a pub at about ten miles and they're often giving out um
1: Yes, in Cranfield there's a, there's a table for for a particular group of runners, isn't there? And they have their pints laid out for them. And I've witnessed someone downing a pint in one <laughs> go. Really oh. impressive. I mean, even doing that when you're not running is pretty amazing. So Aside um,
0: from anything else, I think the sloshing would oh, get to me. Yeah. But there there's definitely a bunch of you out there who Yeah. Who will enjoy that.
1: Yes, and the samples are smaller, aren't they? Yes,
0: they're they're only sort of tasters, but they're all local ciders. And it's another one of these sort of local community events that looks like there's a lot of fun goes into it as well. So there's two places to win. So you and a friend can go down. You might need to take someone else to drive you home again at the end. And uh, if you come to FetchEveryone.com forward slash win, you just stick your email address in the box and we'll pick a winner out in a week's time.
1: As usual, we've been having a look around the site at our sort of favourite bits of uh, the forum and the blogs. And I've actually picked out two blogs this week which are on the same subject, which is Tokyo Marathon. Um, I really think it's worth a read, um, especially if you are going to train for a marathon or specifically Tokyo, but any marathon really. I think the blogs are really interesting. They, they kind of illustrate what goes right, what goes wrong, plans, how plans have to be changed. And um, I just think they're both really good blogs. So the first one is Jen Love. Um, so her, her marathon in Tokyo had to be dialed back a bit due to kind of the run up to it. Um, and she ended up for her pootling round in in 4:31, um, which for her is actually quite an, an easy-paced long run. If you go and have a read of it, I think it just it really does illustrate how sometimes you have to change how you you approach a race because of the run up to it. Um, I definitely had a sun cream moment reading the blog and also a little giggle at one point as well. So I'd recommend that, that one. And the other Tokyo blog is SKR, who ran um, a, a stonking race. And it just goes to show again how the weather conditions can change things actually in mid marathon and that the, the distance has to be respected. Apparently, there was a change from 15 degrees down to 5 degrees during the race. So I'll go and have a read. I really enjoyed both of those um, blogs this week.
0: Wow, oh, that's mad. 10 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a couple of threads that I wanted to highlight. The first one, the title just got me, and the title of this thread was Three Years and Three Months After My Heart Attack. I did Tombridge Park Run this morning. And um, it's just full of lots of congratulations for this person. So Monk X... Monkex I don't think there are too many ways of pronouncing that but um, we're all really glad to see that you're making your comeback and uh, long may it continue so I just wanted to to give a shout out to that one and the other thread is one of my favourites for watching I don't often contribute to it because it's You don't always see stuff, but it's called Meaningless Product Descriptions. It reminds me of one of the reasons why I always found it difficult to write product reviews because you always sort of read the sort of stuff that is written about products and you think, really? Can it do that? It's kind of like all all this um, sort of water that's designed to give you uh, superpowers and that sort of thing. And there's a recent post on there about a pair of sweatpants and it says... You'll want to wear them all day thanks to the thin draw-cord detail and forward-thinking silhouette. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's full of just stuff that makes you go, really, who are they trying to kid with this sort of description? Um, And it's pretty good fun to watch.
1: We've had some really great contributions this week sent in, um, some great recordings. The first one we're going to listen to, I was listening to it and I just kept turning to Ian going... This is brilliant. This is brilliant. I love this. And it's Autumn Leaves. And it really is talking about how she was injured and how she came back from injury. And over to her.
2: Hello, Fetchies. It's Autumn Leaves speaking from the sunny northwest. Now, some of you listening might know that I've had a really mixed 12 months battling injury. In fact, it's a year this week since the saga of my right hip started. And no sooner was that over than its gripping sequel, my left hip, has taken me right back to basics. So I thought that for my contribution to the podcast, I'd pass on a few things that I've learned from fighting my way back, just in case they help someone else. Now, when you can't run, it's really, really tough. And one of the first things I think you actually need to do is get some advice. And an awful lot of us are bad at this. I think it's because we're scared, we're going to be told. You can't run, you'll never run again. But the sooner you actually see a physio, an osteopath, the GP, or just someone you trust who knows what they're talking about, the better. You'll get some proper advice, but you might not actually get a diagnosis. They don't necessarily know what's wrong. This is partly because, and this is the second thing I've learned, Where the pain is, is not necessarily where the problem lies, and unpicking that can take you quite a while. As I say, when you can't run, you'll be really grumpy. That's because you're missing your endorphins. So you do need to try and replace the running so that you get a hit of something with some other form of exercise. Walking is good, gets you out in the open air and can tick some of the same boxes. I also found that doing more strength and rehab, particularly for the areas that I was trying to improve, helped me feel like I was keeping some form of control. That's the next thing. Strength and rehab exercise. It does actually work, but you do have to be diligent about doing it. Putting reminders in Fetch's training log is a really good way of doing it. And if you build up a little sort of network of training buddies who can comment and tick and say, well done, then that gives you a little bit of a buzz and you feel like you've got some accountability. The next thing is that I actually found that complete rest, which is often what we're told to do, isn't necessarily the answer. Sometimes you have to do some form of exercise, not necessarily running as part of the healing process. And then when you are given permission to run again, you may also find that you have to put up with running with some degree of discomfort, which again is actually part of getting back on your feet and getting back out there. You need to take advice. You need to do maybe run, walk or keep the pace really easy. Listen to your body and just sort of see how it goes. And I found once I started doing this, I had a kind of mantra of if I feel okay in the morning and I don't feel any worse having run the previous day than I'm probably doing about the right amount. But just because you can run a little bit further, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should. I hope this is a little bit helpful. If any of you are out there on the injury bench, it's awful, but there are lights at the end of the tunnel. And if I can get myself back up and running again, then I'm sure lots of other people can as well. So this is Autumn Leaves, checking out for now. Thank you
1: So that was great. i The reason I was so sort of excited about when i was when I was listening to this piece was because it kind of sums up a lot of what I feel when i 'm um, looking after people coming back from injury so i don 't know not everyone perhaps knows this, but I 'm a physiotherapist and One of the things that Autumn Leave said diagnosis is not always straightforward, and that's that 's true. It is sometimes difficult to unpick it. Um, and sometimes the pain is not where the problem is, um and is not the thing that actually needs to be fixed um first before you can get rid of the pain. I also really like the fact that she talked about having some cross training to take to to continue with while you were resting from the activity that had injured you so to get the
0: endorphin boost yeah as well. to
1: get the endorphin boost but also to stop you becoming um I've, the word has escaped me. I'm sorry, guys. This is my sleep-deprived brain. But it's basically so that you don't de... what is it?
0: Deacclimatize?
1: No.
0: <laughs> um, Desensitise? I'm going to de- call it
1: detrain, but that's not it. Um, but, but basically, it's, act, it's called active rest. So it's, it's continuing with some kind of cardiovascular activity, continuing to do something to keep your muscles moving... Um, and just but but at the same time resting from the activity that's actually causing the problem and doing some strength work as well and expecting a little bit of pain whilst you're returning that is again something else that is tough to deal with because psychologically you're thinking oh no am i am i going backwards so anyway thank you so much Leaves. i absolutely loved your piece there.
0: and here's another piece that i really liked from dg and he's talking about how he lost his mojo and how he's got it back.
3: Hello fetches, I'm DG, or as my wife calls me, Darren. I'm sitting here in Grimsby after having run exactly 4.58 miles. It's a strange figure, and a few years ago I'd have rounded that up. Then again a few years ago, I'd have run a marathon most weekends. On the 5th of November 2016, in the exotic location of Caldecott Lake in Milton Keynes, I ran my 100th marathon and I became a member of the 100 Marathon Club. It had been an all-consuming project for eight years or so, and as I got nearer to the mark, obviously thoughts turned to what I'd do afterwards. I had fanciful ideas of ultras, 50-milers, 100-milers, 24-hour solo races, multi-day events, all kinds of fun and games. I crossed the line, I was presented with my shirt, and I went to the pub for cake and more beer than I'd care to imagine. And I didn't run again for six months, not a step. I'd achieved what I wanted, and just then, just like that, Mojo had gone and left me. I'd always been target driven, but never been sufficiently motivated or talented to chase times. When I started running, the first thing I did was enter a half marathon, which gave me motivation to keep it up. Once I'd run the half, the next thing I did was enter a full marathon. And my targets became my longest ever runs before I finished the Edinburgh Marathon. That weekend, I'd met someone who'd done two marathons that weekend. So that was my next aim, And then ten in a year then four in four days, and then I was on the slippery slope. Each time it was a target to tick off, and once I got there, I'd create another one. Once I got to the 100, though, I couldn't think of a target, so without one, I absolutely couldn't run anymore. I would sit on my bum and eat crisps. Which brings me to 2019. I'm back running, and although I'm not as fast as before, I'm certainly enjoying myself. Mojo is back with a vengeance, and although I've got a big project on, it's not going to be as all-encompassing as putting eight years into winning a T-shirt was. So you might be asking yourself where this Mojo came from. I'm setting myself small targets that I know I should be able to manage easily. Really small targets. Every time I run is a small success, and it's a stepping stone towards my little targets. Even if it's not as fast or as exotic a run as I'd like, even if it's 30 minutes around the mean streets of Grimsby, I can come home happy. I now run three or four times a week. One of those runs is when my son's at Cubs. And originally, I set a target to get a run in while my son was at Cubs. Just one, once. When I achieved that, I set a goal of running 5K while he was at Cubs, then to complete a full month of running while he's at Cubs. Each time I achieve that, I review the target, make it slightly more difficult. Now I'm after running a 10 miler during Cubs. Had I originally set myself a target of 10 miles while the boys at Cubs, you know what? I'd have binned it. It was too hard. And that, I think, is the crux of it. Even if you're working towards a big target, you still have little manageable targets to work to. Merely focusing on the big target can become quite overwhelming, whereas focusing on the little steps is motivating and keeps you going. The big target can seem impossible, whereas you set your own little targets to be possible. Not easy, but well within your reach. I remember when I decided to start running, I downloaded a half-marathon training plan and read the latter weeks, run 8 miles, run 10 miles. And that all seemed, at the time, to be impossible. But it was a beginner's plan that started with couch to 5k. And taking it week at a time, little hurdles, it became so much more possible. Each time I went out, it would be something slightly further, slightly faster. Achieving those little victories each week were what originally made me keep going out and helped me become a runner rather than staying a fat drunk. And I got to the start line in Newcastle, and the rest, as they say, is history. And then I stopped seeing the little victories and only focused on the prize at the end. And that's when the mojo upped and left me. If you're asking why I only ran 4.58 miles today, it's because I set myself the manageable target to me of running 100 miles in February. And 4.58 miles was all I needed to do to achieve that. 100 miles is a long way, but 4.58 is a lot more manageable. I think the little victories are where the pleasures lie. If you're struggling, then maybe you need to stop focusing on the finish line and look instead at making each little step on the journey its own roaring success. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. I'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. I just wanted to say that there are lots of things in the fetch log, especially the recent monthly summaries that give you opportunities to cherry pick those little wins that DG was talking about. There's stuff like, you know, you can you can find your fastest mile in the month and try and just beat that one mile. You don't need to be looking at entering races or running massive mileages. It's just about making those little gains that he spoke about. So I really loved that. It was
1: Yeah. yeah and I, I would say when you are very low in mojo, actually using the game that we were talking about earlier, Fetch Point, is really useful because going out or before you go out looking at the map near you and working out where the bugs are, where you've, where you've got jewels that you can pick up, where there are traffic lights you can win and just making your route round that. And, and when I I've, I've been low in mojo, I've used that game and I found myself kind of imagining me squishing those bugs as I run along a particular street so... Lots of things on the, on the site to, to help with that. And we've also got um, a really nice little piece from Cora. And, and just to remind you, we were up in Glasgow and we were at Rookhill Park Run and Cora did the most amazing uh, finish downhill uh, with her arms cartwheel. I think, I think basically she's going to explain now what that finish was all about.
4: Hi Veggies, it's Cora here. I've just finished listening to episode 8 of the podcast and had a right big chuckle to myself by Fetch's description of my parkrun finish. I thought I might be better explaining exactly what had happened. Just prior to parkrun, my running hadn't been very great, but I did have a little bit of a target in mind. The Parkrun has a downhill finish, so I was really close to my target. So I put on a relative, for me, burst of speed and charged down the hill. Unfortunately, when I crossed the line, I realised that I um, was having a little of difficulty stopping. So I deployed the feedie from friends technique of cartwheeling arms and hoping that that would stop me ploughing into anybody who's standing watching. What it did do is give them a good laugh. So what I was wondering is, have you done anything at a race finish or a parkland finish that's left you thinking, well, I'm sure they've got a good laugh at me there. Be interesting to find out. Thank you.
1: So that's a great question. What funny things have you done at the end of races that um you've had to explain away to people or what has motivated them so i haven't done anything particularly funny at the end of races i don't think but i do remember the the race that still stands as my half pb the great eastern race Uh, i really overcooked that one quite quite massively and uh, i had to do quite a lot of very dramatic lying down at the end of that one and, and being looked after and just wanting Really a hole to open up so that I could just drift gently down into the earth so that no one would be looking at me anymore.
0: <laughs> Did everybody have a really good laugh at your like think was I me. don't
1: think anyone laughed. I think everyone was very concerned. But um, that's the only thing I can think of that I've done, sort of of note, at the end of a race, really. Oh, I think we've
0: all had that sort of feeling of just wanting to <laughs> just lie down and, and shut the world out at the mm. end of a race. Mm. Um, I remember at the end of Cardiff Half, my, my dad pouring cold water onto the back of my head cause, but I think I was about to pass out at that point so yes. it's probably a good thing that he did yeah. um, but I've got a couple of things I wanted to mention when I did London Marathon in 2015 they had this campaign where you had to hold hands with someone crossing the finish to sort of replicate the first ever London Marathon finish so I grabbed hold of this bloke's hand <laughs> <laughs> in the finish and obviously you hadn't heard the announcement because he looked at me as if to say Right, um, so he, he, he did actually hold my hand until we'd crossed the line, but then like he whipped it away and I looked and he was gone. So if you are listening, strange man, um, it wasn't personal. I was just doing what they told me to do. And the other thing I do in usually in the last mile of a race, particularly if I'm really pushing it, is I will start shouting, not just random things at people, but I'll be shouting, come on and Rah! and just literally anything um, to keep myself motivated. And I think when I first started doing it, which is I've probably been doing it for years now, I get a little bit of a a buzz from from yelling but now it's just sort of become something that i do and i'm not sure it actually helps me in any way at all now it's just a bit more of a habit race to Um, reps yeah race (laughs) that's exactly what it is that is exactly it so just try it next time you're in the last kilometer of park run just start bellowing and see if anybody um reports you to the authorities so thanks to cora for that wonderful question and uh it's a question for all of you listening to uh let us know about your embarrassing moments your moments that have given everybody else a good laugh during your your events um leave those at fetcheveryone.com forward slash podcast and now on to our six nations that will round up mm-hmm. so Things went pretty well for both of us this weekend.
1: Pretty good this weekend, yeah. England did what they needed to do against Italy and a bit more, I think.
0: That that big winger who holds the ball between his thumb and his forefinger.
1: I'm not going to try pronouncing his name. Cock and a singer. Cock and a singer.
0: Yeah, he He, was
1: absolutely amazing. He got man of the match, and so he should do. He he was just amazing. The the um, person interviewing him said, "Do you ever bother to hold the ball in two hands?" and he just seemed to be a little bit perplexed at the idea of that really because yeah, why would you if was, you can hold it in one
0: pretty glad he wasn't playing <laughs> against Wales but um,
1: yeah he's one to watch definitely
0: yeah he, he looked pretty awesome But and, and Wales held on um, it was looking a little bit scary in the second half when Scotland came back and that Finn Russell uh, move that um, uh, released the centre I think it was for the try that was really like magic I had to watch it several times before I spotted what had happened <laughs> Uh, I'm still not entirely sure, but um, in the last 10 minutes, I think when Wales finally managed to get the ball back, um, I liked the way that they sort of Mm. controlled the game and sort of stuffed it up their jumpers and and held on (laughs) to it. So well done to Wales and fingers crossed now for for next week. Well,
1: Ireland have brought themselves right back in it, haven't they? So next weekend is going to be quite exciting because Ireland now could possibly take it.
0: Ireland need to to beat Wales, and then for England to lose against Scotland in yes. order to win. But um, yeah. Whereas Wales need to win, and, and, and that's it. And then there's no more, yep. no more fun to be had. Yes, but,
1: if Wales win, um, that's the end of it.
0: Yeah, hopefully the Millennium Stadium will be like a bit of a cauldron. Um, yeah, and uh, it would
1: have been good if they'd had the um, Wales Ireland match last, wouldn't it? Well, on Saturday.
0: Yeah
1: really but anyway we're looking forward to the final weekend I'm on my triathlon course so I'm not going to see much of the the matches I'm hoping that I'll catch the the second half of the England match anyway and I'll be rooting for my boys to to win
0: and if Wales win you'll probably hear me wherever you are whether you're in the (laughs) Netherlands or Iceland or whatever I'll be yelling my little uh, socks off so fingers crossed for that and so here's a question for you what will, what can we possibly talk about now that Six Nations is is about to be over? I mean, obviously we've got the World Cup coming up in um, September, but um, between now and then, what give are we us going something to talk, to talk about? about for this last little bit. Mm. So um, yeah, get your questions in.
1: Anyway, that's enough from us for this week. I think if you have got any recordings or you'd like to do a recording, you can send that to podcast at FetchEveryone.com. dot com. Please don't forget to subscribe and, and review
0: us on iTunes.
1: And yep, don't forget to review us on iTunes. And visit FetchEveryone.com forward slash podcast with your comments, questions and suggestions. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Night-night.